Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Pastor Phil, thank you for your welcome. As always, RA Church, it is a joy and it is a delight to be with you today. Wherever you are online, whether you are in Portadown or whether you are in somewhere else in the world today, locking in, getting loaded and getting filled with the Word of God. Hey, wasn't it great to worship God together? I love that God is not confined to a building. And I love that the church is not confined to a building and that as the people of God called to do the things of God in the name of God for the glory of God and powered by the Spirit of God, that we can actually worship God anywhere, in any moment, in any season, regardless of circumstance or situation. I need you to do something for me before I get into today's message, if that's okay. I need you to thank your team in the comments below right now. If you're on Facebook, give them a thank you. Give them a heart. Give them a love. If you are on YouTube, give them a thank you because you have no idea the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes in order for a service like this to be zoomed, to be fed, to be broadcast into your phone, your tablet, your computer so that you can enjoy the presence of God, so that you can sing to the glory of God in the comfort of your own home. So I am so incredibly grateful for the team that is here today, incredibly grateful to Pastor Phil and Anna for the invitation to be here today. And as Pastor Phil said, we are coming off the back, or you are coming off the back of a true-ish series. And so I'm going to hopefully, over the next 30 minutes or so, apply some biblical truths to your world and to your life, sharing a little bit of my own journey, my own story with you in such a way that you will recognize and realize that a truest life will rob you, that a truest life will fool you, and that a truest life will sink you. And what I want to do today, if it's okay, over the next 30 minutes, if you would allow me to speak into your world, to speak into your life, to speak into your circumstance, and speak into your situation, is apply biblical truth that will shift you from true-ish to true, that will shift you from true-ish to true. So I've got a couple of points that I'm going to share with you this morning that are going to come at this and show you how religion will rob you, that will show you how feelings will fill you, and will show you how sin will sink you. And then I'm going to apply truth to those things and show you how although religion will rob you, a relationship will restore you. That although your feelings will fill you, that faith will fuel you. And although sin will sink you, your Savior will save you. So that's where we're going this morning. This is the heart of where we're at this morning. And hopefully as we do this, we'll have a little bit of fun this morning as well. Hey, look, as Pastor Phil said, I'm the faster pastor. Not only am I the fastest runner in Ireland, but I'm also the fastest talker in Ireland as well. So if you're joining us from somewhere else in the world this morning or this evening or whatever it is that you're joining us, I apologize in advance for the pain and speed is which I'm going to throw this stuff at you. The best thing that I can advise you to do is get your pen out, get your notepad out, take notes, 
take the scripture references, take the comments, write them down, and then come back to them and allow them to fuel you, to feed you, and fire you up for your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, and your Saturday. Because guess what? RA Church is not just a Sunday church. The church of Jesus Christ is not confined to just a Sunday. We are an all-day, every-day, every-season, every-circumstance, every-person church. So are you ready, church? Are you with me, church? In the comments, give me an amen if you're ready. Give me a thumbs up if you're ready. And here we go. So most of us will have some kind of an idea or a version of what we believe to be our truth. After you grow up, you will grow up with a set of core beliefs that are embedded in your DNA right now. They're embedded in who you think you are. You're embedded in what you think you are. You're embedded in what you think about the world, and they're embedded in what you perceive the world to be and your place and your space in that. I want to speak into that. I want to address that. Because actually, most of the New Testament, this incredible thing that we have here, we call the Bible, it's got an Old Testament, pre-Jesus, and a New Testament that talks about Jesus' life and then everything that happened in the church after that. And most of the New Testament was written to address disbeliefs and untruths that were being birthed and risen up in the church. Most of the New Testament was actually written to demonstrate the goodness of God, but also to unpack some religious nonsense that was being brought into the world where people were being led to believe that you needed more than Jesus Christ to be saved, where you needed more than faith in Jesus Christ for life, where you needed more than the power of the Holy Spirit to be fueled, and religiosity was being poured in. And so Paul and all of the other writers decided, we need to do something about this. We need to bring truth to truish mindsets. We need to be, we need to bring truth to truish behaviors. We need to bring truth to truish thinkers. So I'm going to say this, religion will rob you. What will it rob you of? It will rob you of a faith-filled, dynamic, empowering relationship with Jesus Christ. Religion is a social, cultural system of designated behaviors and practices, morals, worldviews, texts, sanctified places, prophecies, ethics, and organizations that relate humanity to supernatural and spiritual elements. Let me say this to you today. If your religious beliefs cause you or someone else not to want a relationship with God, or cause you to believe that God does not want a relationship with you or someone else, then I want to tell you this. I believe with all of my heart that your religious belief system is flawed. Let me say that again. If your religious beliefs cause you or someone else not to want a relationship with God, or cause you to believe that God does not want a relationship with you or someone else, then I believe this with all of my heart, that your religious belief system is flawed. God knows you. God sees you. God loves you. He is for you. He demonstrated His love for you, and that while you were still a sinner, He sent His Son from heaven to earth to die on a cross so that you would be saved. God's deepest desire is this, that you would know him as intimately as he knows you and that you would love him as deeply as he 
loves you. Any other religious belief that seeks to take away from that is completely and utterly flawed. And here's what I have come to recognize. Here's what I have come to realize. Here's what I have come to understand in my own life, is that there are, in the Western society, in this part of the world that we live in, there are typically two camps. There are the people who think that they are too good for God, and then on the flip side of that, there are the people who think that they are too bad for God. And the sad reality is this, is that none of us actually are good enough for God. And if you think that you're too good for God, then your, your religious system, your religious belief system is preventing you from engaging in a relationship with God given to you through Jesus Christ, life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Therefore, it is flawed. On the flip side of that, if you think for a minute that you are too bad for God and you can't go before God and you can't present yourself to God and that God doesn't want a relationship with you, then what you need to understand and recognize is that is also flawed as well. For most of my life, I lived in the camp of, I'm too bad for God. If God is so holy, if God is so perfect, if God is so righteous, why would God want to have anything to do with anyone like me? Those of you who have never met me before, never seen me before, never heard me speak before, will be unfamiliar with the fact that I'm actually a former homeless drug addict. For most of my life, I live with this recognition and this understanding that because of the behaviors that I engaged in, because of the lifestyle that I lived, because of the places and the spaces that I inhabit, there was no way that God who's so holy, God who's so perfect, God who's so righteous, and God who's so majestic and marvelous and wonderful would want to have anything to do with anybody as broken, as dysfunctional, as lost as me. You see, my religious thinking was flawed. My religious thinking led me to believe that God didn't love me. My religious thinking led me to believe that God didn't want to have anything to do with me. And maybe you're sitting at home today and tuning in for the first time thinking, oh my goodness, if God or the people around me actually really knew what I was really like, there's no way on this earth that I could ever approach God's throne of grace with confidence. But we've got to get a handle on this because our religion robs us of a relationship with God that is available to us through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it robs us of everything that is available to us as children of God. You see, you need to understand something, irregardless of whether you think that you're too good for God, or irregardless of whether you think that you're too bad for God, God has got a standard. And the standard that He has is not your standard. He is holy. He is perfect. He is majestic. He is God. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is and is to come. His standard transcends your standard. So if you think that you're too good for God, guess what? You're off your head. If you think you're too bad for God, guess what? You are also off your head because he has this standard, which transcends our standard. His divinity transcends our humanity, and he says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. So I have news for you today. We were all too bad for God. Every one of us was too bad for God, but he made a way by sending his son from heaven to earth to die on the cross so that what? So that we could be made righteous. In other words, so that we could be made right with God so that we could be good enough. 
And we need to get a handle on this as a church. We need to get a handle on this as individuals to recognize, to realize, and understand that nothing that we could ever do, none of our behaviors, none of our beliefs could ever make us right before God. Only faith in Jesus Christ. You see, where religion will rob you, relationship will restore you. I have to be honest with you. I don't have the great love story that Phil and Anna have. I've got to be honest with you. I was not flirting with my, I was going to say my current wife, my only wife. I was not flirting with my wife in the gym. We were not exchanging lawful thoughts over the bench press. I've got to be honest with you. I was not meeting my wife uh, randomly and unplanned, I think Phil was stalking her, but I will say nothing about that. We were not meeting in lakeside. We weren't having romantic rendezvous around lakes. I met my wife in a nightclub. I met my wife because she was a drug dealer, and I bought drugs from my wife. After I bought drugs from my wife, the next night I moved in with my wife, and I never left. And we lived this incredibly dysfunctional life. She was a mess. I was a mess. In the middle of the mess, we brought some children into the world. We split up. We went together. She went her way. I went my way. We were a mess. Broken, dysfunctional, angry, hurting, lost people. And then one day, out of the blue, I get a phone call. Hey, guess what? I found Jesus. What? You find Jesus? Yes, I find Jesus. Where did you find him? In this great church in Derry, Londonderry, called Cornerstone City Church. She said, I'd love you to come along. And I'd love you to come to this church because I'm going to be sharing my story. And I'm going to be sharing my story, and I would love you to hear my story of how God has transformed my life. And I've got to be honest with you, there's never been a day in my life, not one day has there ever been in my life where I haven't believed in God. Never. But here's the thing. As I said earlier, my issue was always this. If God is so holy and perfect and righteous, why would he want to have anything to do with someone like me? And so I went along to this church, and they were a bit like us here. They were full of joy, <laughs> weirdos. They were a bit like us. They lifted their hands and praised to God, weirdos. They were, some of them were jumping up and down and getting excited about God, weirdos. They were, like, they were just like us. They were totally weird, and I loved it. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is weird, but I like it. This feels, oh, this is like out of this world, and so it should be. And so I went along, and the guy who was speaking shared a message, and it was a great message about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God. And then Jenny got up, my wife, incredible. She got up, and she shared her story. And she got up, and she started to talk about how for all of her life, she had felt like there was something missing. For all of her life, she felt that there was something lacking. And then for all of her life, she had felt like she just needed something more. And then all of a sudden, this incredible thing happened where she started to talk about the grace 
of God. And she started to talk about how God loved her, how God had forgiven her, how she had placed her faith and her hope in her future into the hands of God and how her life had been transformed. This is a girl who was a heroin user. This was a girl who had had an affair with my best friend who was now on fire for the things of God. You see, a relationship restored her. Her religion wasn't robbing her anymore. Her belief system wasn't robbing her of life anymore. And she stepped into the fullness of what God would have for her, and relationship restored her. And here's what I love about Phil and Anna's story. In the same way that Phil was able to engage with Anna in such a way that she would find freedom and purpose and step into all of the things of God, because of Jenny's relationship with Jesus Christ, my life was transformed. And now I'm a child of God. Now I'm a child of the King of Kings, the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was and is and is to come. I get to wake up every morning with a hop, a skip and a jump and say, thank you, Jesus, for restoring me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. I am a child of God. I love the easiness and the goodness and the ease of access that we actually have to the family of God and how our qualification into the family of God, our entry level into the family of God has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with what I have or what I haven't got. It has nothing to do with what I've done or what I haven't done. It has nothing to do with who I am or who I am not, my postcode, my good looks, or nothing to do with anything that I have done. I am a child of God because of Jesus Christ. I am a child of God because of what he did and didn't do. I am a child of God because of who he was and who he became. Sinless became sin on the cross so that we could be made the righteousness of God. Let me tell you how Paul writes this in the book of Galatians. He says this in verse chapter 3, verses 26 to 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. People, can I get an amen? You are all children of God in Christ Jesus through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Neither is there Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. I love this passage of Scripture. I love this portion of Scripture because it reminds us it's not our emotions, it's not our appearance, it's not our aptitude, it's not our financial status, it's not our religious beliefs or unbeliefs, it's not our dress code, although you should wear trousers that are too short for you if you want to be cool. It's not our geographical location, although Oma is the promised land. It's not our confidence, it's not our courage, it's not our successes, it's not our failures, it's not our age, it's not our fitness levels, it's not our knowledge, it's not our gender, it's not our social status, and it's not through physical birth that we gain access to God the Father. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, religion will rob you, but a relationship with Jesus Christ will restore you. Are you still with me today, R8? 
Yes, okay. Let's go to point number two. Feelings will fool you. Feelings will fool you. This might come as a surprise to you. This might come as a shock to you. But there have been times in my life where I have felt like a failure. I have the nickname, the faster pastor, or as some people more closer to me like to call me, to tease me, the slicker vicar. But in 2016, I went to the World Championships to represent my country in the 800 meters. I was favorite to win, I might add. I was flying. I was in the shape of my life. My body percent was like nothing in terms of fat. I was solid muscle. I looked amazing. I felt amazing. I was running quicker than anybody else was running in the world at that time. I was completely on it. I went to the World Championships in Western Australia, and I thought in my, I'll say arrogance, because that's probably the best word to use in this moment. I thought in my arrogance that I could travel from Northern Ireland to Western Australia and back again to Northern Ireland in seven days, having competed in a first round race, a semi-final race, and a final race with a gold medal. Not a good idea, I'll have you know. So anyway, I was jet-lagged, I was sick, I spent two days traveling, jumped off a plane, ran my first race, next day ran another race, next day ran, my body didn't know what was going, I didn't even know if I was coming or going, I didn't know if I was awake or asleep, day or night, morning and whatever, I hadn't got a clue. The day of the final came and I thought, what am I going to do? This is not the day for me. I thought, well, the only thing that actually got me to the start line that day was this. I couldn't come home and look at my son in the eye and say, I couldn't try, son. I couldn't do it. It was the only thing that got me to the start line in that moment on that day. And so I ran the race and I came fourth. The worst place in the world. I would have rather have come last than fourth. I was 11 hundredths of a second. Can I say that again? I like the way I say that. I was 11 hundredths. Sorry, we got Scottish there, all right. Sorry, apologies to everybody in Scotland that's locked in right now. I was 11 hundredths of a second away from winning a medal. I was less than a second away from winning the gold medal. I come home, I thought I was a failure. I felt like a failure. You see, your feelings will fool you. Everybody who I talk to looks at me and goes, Tim, you are off your rocker. You are insane. If you think that that was a fail, then you need to realign your thinking. You need to do something that will help you to realign your thinking. On a personal note right now, let me just speak into this if I can. Some of you will be familiar with my story. Some of you will know my family background. My dad is transgender. And for all of his life, my dad has felt, keyword felt, like a woman trapped in a man's body. You see, feelings will fill you. And so for all of his life, he's felt like a woman trapped in a man's body. 
body. So he decided that the best thing that he could do, rather than surrendering to the faithfulness and the goodness and the sovereignty of God, would be to go to Brighton to have a gender reassignment operation. Now you can imagine what that entails. You can imagine what takes place in that type of thing. You see, feelings will fool you. And we've got to get a handle on this. I wonder how many of you who are locked in and loaded right now, I wonder how many of you have found yourself feeling that I can't go on. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like nobody loves me. I feel like I don't have what it takes. I feel like I'm not good enough. I know that not all of us were hit with the beautiful gene that Pastor Phil and Pastor Anna were hit with. And some of you wake up in the morning and you stand in front of the mirror and you go, I feel rotten. I feel ugly. Your feelings will fool you. But if we're going to shift from allowing our feelings to fool us, we've got to reposition our minds, we've got to reposition ourselves to allow faith to free us. We've got to not allow feelings to fool us, we've got to allow faith to free us. So how do we build faith? How do we get faith into us in such a way that our faith will be greater than our feelings, so that we're not fooled, so that we are free. We're told in Scripture that faith comes by hearing and hearing the message of Christ. So if you don't want to be led into allowing your life to be feelings-led, but rather faith-driven, you've got to be a person of the Word of God. The Word of God is living, it is breathing, and it is active, and it is useful for every area of your life. The Word of God has got application for every area of your life. The Word of God has got application for every circumstance that you will ever find. God has got something to say about everything. Can I say that again? God has got something to say about everything. And if you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know what God has to say, I feel like a Bible basher right now, but I'm a proud one. If you want to know what God thinks and what God says, then you have got to get into the Word of God, the Bible. Can I read you something from Ephesians? This is going to blow your mind. If you woke up this morning feeling like, I'm not good enough. If you woke up this morning feeling, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me just because I eat worms. Big ones, fat ones, long ones, skinny ones. See how the little ones squirm. I cut off their heads and I suck out the blood. That's how I eat worms. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me just because I eat worms. What nonsense truth to be pouring into myself and out of myself. It would make much more benefit to me and my world and to your life as well if you could learn the Word of God in such a way that you could recount it in the way that I just recounted that nonsensical song. Because faith will free you. Feelings will rob you you. So if you woke up this morning and you think, I haven't got what it takes to overcome my circumstance. I haven't got what it takes to get out of my situation. I haven't got what it takes to get out of my problems. I haven't got the strength. I haven't got the courage. I haven't got the capacity. I haven't got the potential. I just feel like I just don't have it. Can I allow you to apply this 
passage of Scripture to your life. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through to verse 14. So Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, which is now modern-day Turkey, um, just up the road from a little place called Izmir. I only know that, by the way, because I competed for Ireland there. Just thought I'd put that one in there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given freely in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory, blessed with every spiritual blessing. How awesome is that? (laughs) Let me just break this down for you real quick. Right now, you are chosen by God. Right now, you are made holy and blameless. Right now, through faith in Jesus Christ, you have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. You are lavished upon. Lavished upon. Lavished upon. You are lavished upon by God. You are united with heaven. Our humanity has been reconnected with his divinity through faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer separated from heaven. We are no longer separated from God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. You are purpose. You have purpose. You were made with purpose, on purpose, for a purpose. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. You are included. Anybody remember what it was like in primary school? Phil won't remember this because he was picked for everything. But whenever I was in school in primary school, I was very often, more often than not, not the first person to be picked for stuff. Not feeling included, not feeling part of something, feeling isolated, left out and rejected is awful. But yet the Word of God tells us that we are included. It also tells us that we are marked with a seal. We have been given an identity that marks us and connects us to the things of heaven. And guess what? We have been guaranteed an inheritance. Come on. The future is bright because of Jesus Christ. So your feelings will fool you, but your faith will free you. 
And I've only got a couple of minutes left, and I'm going to try my best to fire through these final two points as we draw today to a close. Sin will sink you. Sin will sink you. There's a narrative, it's in the Bible, and I'm not going to read it for the purpose of time right now. It's found in Matthew chapter 14, and believe you me, I love the Word of God, and I'm not neglecting the power of the Word of God, but I want to make sure that I get the point made. Read it for yourself, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through to 32. Ten verses, Jesus walks on water, Peter walks on water. Imagine that. Can you imagine, right? Imagine this was just water here in front of me, not this beautiful, stripy carpet tiles and stuff that's in front of me. Imagine this was water, right? And imagine Jesus goes, hey, Tim, come on. Tim, come on. Tim, come on. I think I'll pass on that one, Jesus. It's all good, thanks. Peter took a step. Peter took a walk, and he walked on water. Why? Because in that moment, his faith was greater than his fear. But here's the thing. The thing that sunk him, he took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off the sovereignty of God, and that's where sin comes in. You see, sin will sink you when we take our eyes off the sovereignty of God and who he is. Fear, by the way, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's okay to be afraid, but your response to that fear is what will lead you into sin. If you allow your fear to lead you into disobedience, not following the things of God, not doing the commands of God, and not being obedient to God, then you are going into sin, and sin will sink you. We're told the wages of sin are death. Harsh words, but true words. The wages of sin are death. Sin will sink you. Sin will take you out of the will of God and into an abyss. Sin will take you out of the goodness of God and into brokenness. Sin will take you into the power of God and into inadequacy. God hates sin. And here's what I've come to realize. Part of the reason that God hates sin is because he knows the impact it has on you. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he's perfect. Yes, he's righteous, and he's got a standard, and he hates sin. But part of the reason is it causes a separation between you and him, and it leads you into brokenness, dysfunction, and it sinks you. You see, God knows better than you. And anything that we do outside of that is sin. And some of you right now need to know this, and some of you need to hear this, and some of you need to accept this, that your fear is causing you to lie to people that you love. The fear is not the issue in terms of how God sees you, but your response to it is. Some of you are drinking yourselves into an oblivion because you don't recognize God as peace, and you think that you'll find peace in your bottle. Some of you are lining up lines of cocaine and you're going, Woo! 
and you're thinking that that's joy, and it's not. Some of you are finding purpose in your work. Some of you are finding extravagant relationship in your family, and you're neglecting your relationship with God, and it's leading you into sin. Some of you are people-pleasing your families instead of pleasing the one who loved you most. And it's causing you to sink and it's causing dysfunction and hurt and harm and brokenness, not just to you, but the people around you as well. But I have good news for you today. And the good news is this, is that while your sin might sink you, your Savior will save you. While your sin might sink you, your Savior will save you. Look what happened in the boat if you read the narrative whenever we were finished today in Matthew 14, 22 to 32. We see that Peter didn't die. Peter didn't sink. Peter wasn't left stranded. Jesus didn't abandon him. No, they got in the boat and the sea was calmed. The storm was calmed. You see, you have a choice to make today. You can fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, and allow him to be your Lord, God, and Savior, and choose to submit and surrender your life to his things and his plans and his will so that you can live a life in purpose, with purpose, for purpose. Or you can do your own thing. I want to tell you now, I have tried doing my own thing over and over and over and over again. You know what doing my own thing led me to? Mugging people at knife point on the streets of Dublin, begging for money, 400 pound a day habit, doing my own thing, sin will sink you, but your Savior will save you. I am saved today because of the goodness of God. I am saved today because of the faithfulness of God, and I get to live on purpose. I have found freedom. God has a plan. God had a purpose. God had a destiny for me that all I needed to do was just say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to take that step. Okay, Jesus, you want me to walk on water? No problem, big man. We got this. Hey, Jesus, you want me to move from my family home, the place that I grew up to go and build a church in another county? No problem, Jesus. We got this. Hey, Jesus, you want me to forgive my wife who had an affair with my best friend and got pregnant with our middle child? No problem, Jesus. We got this. Hey, Jesus, you wanted me to love my dad even though he wants to be me man. He looks like me man. All of that. Hey, Jesus, no problem. We got this because you are sovereign. You are Lord. And I'm going to choose to keep my eyes fixed on you. So church, I don't know what that needs to be like for you today, what you need to lay down, what you need to walk away from, or what you need to step into, but I know this, Jesus is calling you. And he's calling you away from religion and into relationship. He's calling you away from your feelings and into faith. And he's calling you out of your sin and into salvation. In his name, amen. When darkness strives to roll over my bones When sorrow tries to steal the joy I'm When brokenness and pain is all I know Oh, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance with Stand a chance when I stand in your love.
hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast. Thank you.